Welcome to Authentic Living with Roxanne, a place where we have conscious conversations about things that really matter in our lives. And now, here's your host, Roxanne Derhage. It's uh, Roxanne Durhodge. Thanks for tuning in again to Authentic Living with Roxanne. This week I have a colleague, um, Lindsay La Paquette. Am I, did I say that right? You did. Okay, Lindsay is a colleague of mine and a communication specialist. So um, I invited Lindsay uh, here today to be able to share some of her wisdom about some of the things that she's done um, in her career as a speaker and a trainer and also a coach. So I will, um, I have Lindsay's um, bio. So Lindsay, thanks so much for being here with us. Well, thank you for having me. She's out in Montreal, for everybody that's listening. So um, Lindsay's got a master's and she's a human behavior and interpersonal communication specialist. Um, she supports organizations to free themselves from stressful interactions through consultations and workshops. Her work in the field of interpersonal communication has been profoundly influenced by her professional background as a former speech language pathologist, which talk about a microscopic um, look at speaking um, and her work um, with First Nations individuals who, who prioritizes relationships and connection above all else. And the premature loss of both of her parents has kind of um, informed what she does. Um, which left you, I guess it's left her, you feeling disconnected um, to yourself mm -hmm. and Lindsay's unique holistic conceptualization of, of communication is that we, we connect with oneself, the better we are able to connect with others. And I'm sorry about that because I'm reading off my phone and I had to enlarge it for everybody listening. <laughs> uh, so Lindsay, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. So Lindsay, you and I were, we were yapping before we got on and I thought, oh my God, I should have hit, hit record because we were having such a great conversation about things. And, um, you know, it's interesting because your background um, is, a, is completely in the mechanics of communication. And I would say that everybody out there wants to learn how to communicate better. Would you, would you agree with that, Lindsay? I think it's something that can benefit everyone. Yes, absolutely. Even when you communicate very well, I think there's always things we can improve. So from my perspective, as my background with psychotherapy and a consultant, guess what I deal with all the time? It's constantly um, really working with people, having them understand what they're saying, having them kind of think about kind of the meta message, which is kind of what's under this. How does it fit? What do you value? What do you believe? What are some of the assumptions? All that stuff that kind of embeds one thing, which is I'm trying to say something to you and all this stuff's going on. So when you kind of, um, what, what got you interested in becoming a speech pathologist, first of all? Oh, good question. Uh, so I had, um, I think from a young age, I knew I wanted to work with children actually. And, you know, looked at, teaching and there weren't a lot of job opportunities. So I had an aunt who had a friend who was a speech pathologist and 
Uh, she knew I liked to talk and <laughs> felt it was a good fit. Um, so I, I looked into it and applied and uh, I don't think I knew really what it was when I got into it, but it has been a perfect fit, I think, for my interests and has um, led to so many benefits in my personal life to be able to pull information from my professional background and see how it applies to my own life. So tell us, like, I mean, I'm, uh, I'm talking like I was prefacing kind of as a psychotherapist. As a speech pathologist, you're, you're, you're teaching some kids to learn how to speak properly. Um, you know, I'm going to assume that there, there could be impairments up to just helping people learn how to articulate a message even more. Is it the full spectrum? It's the full spectrum. So the field goes from anything to from stuttering and dyslexia all the way to uh, working with clients who have significant global impairments. So I ended up getting very specialized in working with clients with diagnoses like attention deficit disorder, autism, fetal alcohol syndrome disorder. And so I was working a lot with clients who not only struggled to communicate or to sometimes understand, but also who struggled to relate to others around them. So their social skills were often significantly impaired. Um, and part of that too was they were clients that had a hard time keeping their bodies calm. And what I started to realize the more I practiced and the more I had some personal life events, um, I started to realize that when a client struggles to stay calm, it's very tough to sustainably influence the communication piece or to improve that. So I started to work in tandem a lot with other professionals who could help the clients stay calmer so that I could get further with the client's communication skills. So it was, it was eye-opening to me how much the two are linked, our ability to stay calm and, and our ability to communicate well. That's interesting, you know, because I spend a lot of time talking to people about you know, kind of the, you know, the state of, I call it the window of tolerance or the relaxed state. Um, and, you know, I will often see, let's say a couple and, you know, she starts talking and he gets upset and he remembers one small part of potentially something or a nuance of a word and he quits listening mm. and he, and he holds on like to that one word and that's all the client remembers hearing. Right. And then and they say, well, you just said this. And, and she goes, well, no, 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 no. You didn't hear. Did you listen to everything else I said? And he goes, no, you didn't. You didn't say that. And then I would say, and then they would look at me and say, what did you just hear? I said, well, okay, well, I can tell you objectively what I just experienced. So it's interesting, right? Because our perception based on so many variables kind of impacts what part of a message we buy into and which ones we either stop listening to or we negate or we overemphasize or de-emphasize. Would you agree with that? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think part of, you know, one of the underlying skills to this, as I'm sure you know, but is simply the ability to take someone else's perspective into account, right? So a lot of the clients I work with have a tough time thinking flexibly you know they get really stuck in their thinking um when i work with kids we call it rock brain which is some social thinking terminology um and and what i started to see was that so my clients you talk of a window of tolerance my clients with disabilities their window of tolerance is very small but what i started to realize as i had kids and i actually have two kids of my own with special needs and they have a small window of tolerance themselves. 
I started to realize that I have moments of rock brain, right? <laughs> I have moments where um, I'm just having a hard time thinking flexibly and I don't have a disability, but I started looking around realizing, oh, this is something, um, you know, I'm specialized in doing this with clients with disabilities, but it's, it's a message that is important for us all to be self-aware of when are these moments when for whatever reason, based on our patterns and, and, and whatnot, that I'm falling into communication patterns that are not as responsive as what they sometimes can be. And I think it happens to all of us, you know, we're human. Um, but that self-awareness and the ability to put yourself in someone else's shoes, as I'm sure you know, I think really um, allows us to um, engage in these interactions differently. And, you know, it's, it's interesting that you said that from your perspective, which is, again, I'm going to use the perspective that I use is mm. I will say so to someone, float back in time, the last time, you know, you felt like this and what was the thought that was coming to you at that time? And they'll go, um, I'm not good enough. And I'll go, Oh, interesting. Oh, so the thought is I'm not good enough. So is that why you're responding in the way you are? And they'll go, well, not really, right? <laughs> you know, yeah. defensively, but then really truly what they're doing is responding to the fact that maybe a supervisor raised their voice, which made them think I'm not good enough. So they're responding back kind of, you know, um, you know, in a defensive mode, Yeah. Fact, the supervisor maybe, did elevate their voice, but it, it, it's kind of separating out those two to recognize, right. okay, this is not me being seven and being reprimanded. This is me, you know, speaking to a supervisor and how do I kind of vacillate between the two to be able to respond in a way that's more appropriate. So I'm going to assume that you see a lot of that when you're working with people. I do. I do. So I think, so a lot of the clients that I have worked with historically um, have, a very tough time. They're often in fight or flight mode. Mm -hmm. And some of it can be due to trauma, but some of it is disability and just having a hard time tolerating, you know, the noises and the lights and the sensations. And so they get into this very reactive mode. Um, like you're saying, where they're responding out of instinct. Um, and part of what, you know, what I do and what I've transitioned into as I've moved out of working in the disability world and work, you know, moved into working with just typical individuals is looking at how, um, how can we, how do we create this awareness? And I think part of that is psychotherapy and, and other related services that are, you know, outside of what I provide. But, um, you know, I, I do have a big focus on mindfulness because I think mindfulness training can bring that awareness of, is this about this situation? Or is this about something that's not related to what this person said? Um, so I think there's many paths to it. And I think um, that I do really think though that crux of being able to have that self-awareness of, is this about what's going on here or not is so key to um, maybe not always being able to catch ourselves in the moment. You know, I'm guilty of that, that I, you know, I respond, I say something to the kids and uh, after I think, oh, I was, I was in a, you know, a reactive mode, but I think at the very least you, it gives chance for repair, right? You can go back and say, hey, I'm really sorry. I know I spoke to you a bit harshly. And I, th I think there's a lot of value in having that awareness of 
Um, so tell, tell me more about rock brain. Rock <laughs> tell brain. me, yeah. And what, how you kind of approach that when you're, when you're teaching, um, or training people to kind mm -hmm. of recognize rock brain, what are some of the strategies that you might suggest or teachables that, you know, you, you right. share on an ongoing basis. Right. So rock brain is actually terminology from, uh, Michelle Garcia winner, uh, through social thinking. So she's a speech language pathologist who has worked a lot in, um, or with clients who have, you know, executive functioning challenges, so challenges with things like planning and organizing and uh, flexible thinking. And so rock brain, like I said, really represents when we're really stuck on one idea. Mm -hmm. So for instance, just to give you an example from, from my life, you know, my son had said to me that he wanted to stay up late uh, every night to play video games with his friend. Uh, and I right away go into rock brain of, nope, you're not staying up until nine o'clock, you're eight years old, da, 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 da. And, you know, he was very insistent. And I called my sister to say, can you help me think of this differently? And, you know, what we came to was, well, can we make a deal with him that one day a week he gets to stay up a little bit later, right? That's that flexible thinking yes, yes. Uh, of how can I, I, I need to meet my needs, which is I can't have you up every night and, and I have, you know, you have a need to go to bed. But how can I be somewhat flexible in this situation? And I think that, you know, when we look in business as a boss, um, having a boss who struggles a lot with rock brain <laughs> uh, makes it difficult to be an employee under them, right? Because it means that we're never really truly heard. Because if, if what we're suggesting to the boss doesn't fit what the boss wants, it's shut down immediately. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so I think having open conversations about this and I, I mean, I don't necessarily use the terminology rock brain in, in um, the corporate world, but looking at an understanding of what does it mean to be a flexible thinker versus not flexible or not as flexible, right? That black and white thinking where it has to be one way or another versus being able to see lots of different solutions. Um, and I think one thing, one thing I coach people on is identifying where are the situations where you tend to get triggered into having rock brain. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. because there tend to be patterns, right? Like you talked about earlier. Absolutely. So I think if you can identify, um, so for myself, when I'm being challenged in a way that, um, you know, if someone's maybe not listening to my contribution and, and shoving their opinion down my throat, I tend to get rock brain to defend my position. And I know that about myself. So that awareness gives me a little bit of space to remind myself, you know, to, to really try to listen. Mm -hmm. um, so I think one of the things is, like I said, just identifying when you get triggered into rock brain by observing yourself. And in our house, um, we're allowed to say to someone else, I think you might be having a little bit of rock brain right now. <laughs> and that's a message that is respected, right? So right. I don't jump down my son's throat and say, well, I try not to <laughs> say, no, mommy's not. I try to say, oh, yeah, you're right. Maybe we need to talk about this a little bit later. So that's one strategy is when someone in the room is having a moment of rock brain, ask for a break. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes getting some time away from the situation and getting some time to process those emotions can lead us to more flexible thinking. So it's interesting, right? Because it's, you know, I do it with uh, people on teams or whatever. They'll come up with a Q word 
that will get them out of the state, right? Because if you're in rock brain, you're in a state. Yeah. There's no flexibility. And if you can say something like, you know, the other day somebody said spatula as being the funny, well, you can't, you know, they, they couldn't keep a straight face without saying the word spatula. So everybody broke up, but it took something really, really serious and contentious and polarizing and put, uh, you know, kind of, you know, oppositional. And, and then they said something silly, which made them think, oh, well, this is kind of silly. What, right. we're, what we're doing. So it's, it's the little things that can yes. help come back. And That's I think lovely. right because really at the end of the day, I always say to people, we have, you know, three parts of the brain, the boss, the Christmas mm-hmm. tree, and, you know, you know, the part that just kind of runs our life, which is yeah. the part that lets you see me, you're breathing, you're regulating your temperature. And when you're in rock brain, you're in, you're in basically in the Christmas tree, you're having a bit of a light up. And the boss has decided to go on an extended vacation. They go, what? What do you mean? And I go, okay. So, and I I will joke with them and say, who, who's running the show right now? And they go, the Christmas tree's all lit up. Okay, perfect. So what do you have to do to bring yourself back? Right. The boss, you need to come back. You have to come back a day early. Yes. Let's bring you back. And it's really simple things. Like you're saying, you don't have to take a big epiphany other than to recognize that I am being triggered. And what am I, what am I? Yeah. Yeah cues. Absolutely. I think that's a process, right? Like I see over my life that I'm constantly learning, even though I teach this, I'm still learning, you know, when my Christmas tree is getting lit up in new situations. (laughs) And I think the more you can have that awareness, the more you can stay calm in your interactions with others, because you can take this space uh, that you need to get yourself back to a calm state, you know, what triggers you and what can bring you down. And I think that's different for everyone, you know, so it's not a one size fits all solution. But um, like you said, it's not necessarily a huge life shift other than the awareness um, of your patterns. So what, so you talked a little bit about mindfulness. So, Mm -hmm. um, and that you would work concurrently when you're in disability to kind of work um, with someone to help individuals get more mindful Mm -hmm. or more relaxed in order to, um, be able to hear the message clearer. Yeah. What kind of things, so now that you're kind of working in different environments, how do you incorporate mindfulness to assist people to communicate better? Right. So um, just to give you a bit of the backstory. So I think my um, journey to mindfulness came out of my own personal need as uh, a parent of two kids with special needs who was feeling very overwhelmed by Uh, tantrums and and their demands and constant therapy sessions. Um, I then lost both of my parents suddenly within a two-year span as well as my uncle and I was having a tough time. Um, And so I, I, I started, I guess, basically foraging into mindfulness and um, so part of that is for me is meditation Um, part of it is trying to incorporate mindful moments throughout my day. Um, So again, I think a piece of it is the awareness. I think we live in a society where there's often messages that the more you do, the harder you work, the better a person you are. And I think that's a very dangerous message. Yes. I think it's one I bought into for many years, but I think it's a very dangerous message. Um, So I think, the first step is just shifting thinking around 
you know, maybe my value doesn't come from what I produce or accomplish. And, uh, you know, Brene Brown talks about how people use exhaustion as a status symbol, right? Like, yeah. Um, yeah. And so to have that awareness of um, the impact that constantly being busy has on our brain, you know, I talk about how um, we've shifted to a society where we scroll through our phones in waiting lines, in lines in stores for two minutes because we can't, we've learned to not be able to tolerate two minutes of boredom. So I start with small steps, right? Like trying to challenge yourself to turn your phone off for X amount of time, depending on what you're used to, you know, picking a reasonable goal. Um, but choosing to not always be attached to your device, um, choosing to incorporate moments where you're exposed to no stimulation at all. So mm -hmm. it could be driving to work without the radio on or without listening to a podcast, but I, I love podcasts <laughs> um, and I love to listen to them, but I do sometimes choose to just have silence. And, uh, you know, it could be incorporating even just a five minute meditation when you wake up or at work before a big meeting, closing your door for five minutes and sipping a hot tea or coffee before you step into that meeting. So centering yourself before you have to engage in a tough decision or a tough discussion, um, make it or break it sometimes between that conversation going well and not going as well, not getting as triggered. So really what we're talking about is, um, I, I often say, I call it uh, depletion versus replenishment. Yes. So you're talking about, and I think a lot of people truly were so connected. We, you know, we kind of get up and of course you have kids, I, you know, you have to, and you're busy, right? Like yeah. you're constantly going through your day, you got to run your business and, and kind of, you know, and then as a parent in there, you're doing all that other stuff to care for them and, you know, run your home. We all have full lives. Yeah. What, what the small breaks, you call it the um, mindful moments. I like it. I always I like that term is that people don't realize it that sometimes, you know, just taking those moments can actually replenish them with a cumulative effect so that yes. when, when they're done their day, they're not completely drained. Yes. Yes. Would you, would you agree yeah. with that? I fully agree. And my experience has been, cause listen, I, as I've taken mindfulness classes, I find it hard to carve out an hour every day to meditate because I also like to go to the gym and you know, I have kids in a job. So I have found that I, I do sometimes meditate for long periods, but I found it for myself just as effective to, you know, meditate 10 minutes in the morning, um, you know, be not put the radio on, on my way to work, take a few minutes, you know, over lunch to go for a nice mindful walk and connect with how the leaves sound and the wind on my, you know, on my body and, and try to not get into my thoughts of what I have to do, but really just be with mm -hmm. myself and the environment. All those I find accumulate for me actually as well, if not better than just doing one longer event. And I think the other realization for me was that I hadn't really understood the difference between self-care versus mindfulness, which is, you know, being present in the moment because I've always, well, always for many years, I've done lots of self-care um, I love going to Zumba and that's part of my self-care, but it's not a mindful moment for me. I'm not, it's fun and it replenishes me, but it's not connecting myself necessarily with how I'm feeling. 
So that's been a distinction I've had to pay attention to is when do I need to replenish Mm -hmm. and how can I do that with a mindful moment? And to believe that most people listening would would agree, sometimes you don't have Mm. an hour out of your day, right? Like, I mean, ideally, you'd want to be able to get an hour to be able to, between exercise and and doing a, a mindfulness activity, but in reality, you know, things, you know, you can pre-plan your day as much as possible, but stuff goes down, right? And then you've got to shift it. And then what's the first thing that goes, right? Time for yourself and all that stuff. But like I often say to people, sometimes I will say, okay, take out your phone. I said, who has a phone when I speak? And I say, everybody have a phone? Or should I ask who doesn't have a phone? And then I tell them to walk through some things with the phone. I said, load up five of the most fantastic pictures Yes. On your phone. And, and I go, can you think of, you know, and people will come up like, you know, kids or pets or sceneries or whatever. And then I say, okay, what, what's the favorite music you have? Yes. And then I try, I don't know how to hook it, but I tell them to hook the music to the pictures. Yes. Right. And periodically through their day, those are some of the, just some of the things. Set your alarm. If you can in the morning, do it in the morning. Right after lunch, try to watch it again yes. and listen and do it again uh, just after dinner. Absolutely. But just yeah. Because, again, you're reminding the brain that it can be pleasurable, it can relax, yes. it's okay, right, yes. versus go, 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 go into depletion. Yeah. And I think the more you do it, the more you realize the impact it has on your life, the more you want to do it and incorporate it, the more it becomes part of your routine. That's been my experience at least, you know? I, I completely agree. So with uh, when you go in to uh, organizations and stuff like that, what what's your approach when you um, kind of get called into a, a, say an organization to work with them? How do you kind of create a plan? Um, mm-hmm. They might call you in for communication skills what, or stress management. What do they, might they source you out for, Lindsay? Yeah, so I do I do a few different workshops. So generally, my work with companies starts through workshops. I do consulting also, but the initial requests tend to be more for notes or workshops. And um, so I do different ones. One is on understanding your own personality and the personality of others. So that's to help build an awareness of, um, you know, just because I might like to be really, well, I'm, I tend to like... Um, be more flexible and like change but some people like a lot of structure and to build an awareness that just because I like it this way doesn't mean this is the way everyone else likes it and how can I understand how another person's needs might be different than my own that I think is one way to improve communication right to be able to have that awareness of other people's needs Um, one of my talks is on um, resolving conflict so understanding you know how different personalities tend to respond to conflict um, and so my, my underlying goal in, anyhow, I have a few more, but my underlying goal in these workshops is to help people understand how to sustainably improve con- communication by interacting in, in I, I think similar to your message, interacting in authentic ways where we truly try to listen to the other person's input, um, you know, we, my training as a therapist taught me that when you listen to a client, you need to be ready to have a solution to fix that client's problem, uh, which, which is probably different from your training. Uh, but it's taken me many years to undo that 
uh, idea that sometimes I just need to listen without a solution mm -hmm. because sometimes I'm coming up with a solution and I haven't even fully listened to the other person's problem. Right. And so that has been a huge learning curve for me, particularly working up north where their listening skills are phenomenal uh, up in northern Canada with the Cree. So um, that's part of what I teach to organizations now is if let's say you're giving an employee performance feedback, how do you do that in a way that respects that the employee has, has content to contribute that is of value Mm -hmm. and respecting that they're an equal in the process of giving feedback. So instead of coming in and saying, this is what you need to approve, what do you think right, right. online? How do we have a real conversation where we both truly discuss the strengths and weaknesses and where I see you as a partner in coming up with ideas and ways to support you in your weaknesses versus judging you for struggling with certain things? Because the reality is we all have weaknesses, right? It's part of the right. human tradition. Um, but those interactions sometimes are done in a way where, um, you know, as a boss, we are trying to send a message that it needs to be done a certain way. So mm -hmm. I think shifting our thinking to looking at how do I meet the needs of different people differently and how do I have a conversation to truly identify what those needs are is um, a super important piece to business success, you know, and life success. So resource-based, really, what you're heightening is people's resources um, to, yeah. to, to recognize and make it more collaborative. And which really, uh, with my background, that's what I do all the time. Yeah. You know, I'm, I was trained differently than you in that <laughs> I always say to people um, when I'm, you know, either consulting or coaching is my job. I'll know I, I don't have a job when you don't need me anymore. Yeah. And I'm yeah. going to pull the, I'm going to pull the things from you that, um, will make you make the right decision because yeah. if I were to tell you what to do, which is different from speech pathology, you're going to go up there, you're going to go out, you're going to deliver, you're going to fall flat on your face in a week and you're going to come back right? based on my prescription. And then you're going to be mad. Right. right. And so I'm circumventing that by allowing you to really come up with the solutions yourself. Yeah, right? absolutely. And I mean, listen, part of that may have just been my personality and how I <laughs> interpreted my training and the messages may have shifted, but I've learned a ton from working with, you know, psychologists and psychotherapists and social workers on how to listen in a way uh, that I didn't, that I didn't before. And what I've seen is how you get so much better outcomes when, like you say, when you view the other person as the expert of their own situation Mm -hmm. And you're simply there to help guide them, but respecting that they have their own answers. Like you said, that's, uh, I think you get the best outcomes. In those Abs absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know what? So collaborative, respectful, uh, compassionate kindness. Like that's really what I hear. Some of the core things, right? Um, yeah. Transparency, emotional responsiveness, yeah. uh, consistency and safety. Those are all yeah. the variables that are really needed for a, an ideal situation. And that said, most of us, you know, we think we communicate well, uh, but really, you know, we could all learn to communicate better. Oh, I think I, I'm always learning oh, um, me too. how to, you know, kind of enhance things based on everybody's so unique. Yeah. And we're human, right? I still catch myself, myself. I have a conversation and after I think, oh, I was really pushing you know, my perspective and not listening as much, or I was trying to give them a solution. So it's, 
um, I think it's always a learning curve for all of us. But I think the key is being open to reflecting on how to do things differently and being okay with being imperfect. You know, it's not to beat ourselves up for it, but uh, just to learn from those around us. Absolutely. Now, this has been amazing. So I want to know where people can get a hold of you and um, what kind of things is maybe there's something that you'd like them to reach out, um, you know, to look into. So why don't you tell everyone where they can get a hold of you? Thank you. Yeah. So my, my company's name is Collaborative Solutions. I felt that fit well, kind of where I was trying to get people in their conversations. Uh, the website is www.collaborative-solutions solutions with an s on the end dot ca um, so you can check out under my corporate tab i have the five different workshops that i offer and you can go take a peek there if you're interested in having any workshops or keynotes within your organization to look at how to free yourself from stressful interactions within the workplace and how to have people be able to communicate in a respectful way that has everybody feeling valued, uh, which ultimately, you know, leads to improved staff retention and, and job satisfaction. So you can check that out there. And awesome. Uh, thank awesome. You for, for well, thank time. you so much for being here with us. And um, so when I, when I listened to Lindsay's message, it's really about um, listening, but listening in a way that makes you understand um, what is your stress response? Maybe potentially, what is that other person's stress response? And how are you ensuring that your needs are being met, but at the same time thinking about outside of yourself to think about what is that other person's needs also? That okay. said, it's not that easy. It takes <laughs> practice and you might, you know, practice it when you're a little bit heated. It's, it's difficult for all of us. So to take that time. So I, I thank uh, Lindsay for sharing her wisdom. And if anybody's ever looking for, um, you know, a communication specialist, um, by all means, please reach out to, to Lindsay. And for anyone, um, companies that are looking for consultations or uh, mental health and wellness strategist or keynotes, uh, you can reach me at roxanderhodge.com. So again, thank you for tuning in and we'll chat with you soon. Okay, Lindsay, take care. Thank Bye-bye. you. This has been great. Okay, talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to Authentic Living with Roxanne, creating the space for positive, healthy change. Roxanne is a keynote speaker, psychotherapist, and coach. To work with Roxanne, visit roxanderhajcom slash blueprint. We'll see you next time on Authentic Living with Roxanne.